This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. I recently had a long conversation with a man trapped in the cult of William Branham. He had left his family behind, refused to speak with them anymore, and his only reasoning was that they did not believe the same message that he did, even though they were Christians. The cult had taught him to stay away from those who did not believe because they were diseased and taught him to fear that if he went near them, he might catch that same disease. I tried to explain to him that Jesus did not come to save the saved, but spent his time fellowshipping with prostitutes and thieving tax collectors and other people who were considered to be the lowest of sinners. But the headquarters of the cult, Jeffersonville, Indiana, had already programmed his mind with the cult response to every question, and had already trained him to believe the words of the cult leader, William Branham, over the Bible. In fact, when direct conflicts were described between the words of William Branham and the words of Christ, the programmed response that he had was to believe the words of William Branham over what the Bible said. It's very easy to identify some religious cults, especially the cult of William Branham, because the doctrines about the fallen angel Wormwood or the Zodiac being the Bible, the separation doctrines, and the other false teachings that Branham copied from other cult leaders. But not all religious cults are so easily identified, especially in today's world when cults are so tightly integrated into Christianity. On the surface, these religious cults seem righteous. But underneath the plastered smiles behind the devious pastors is pure flowing evil that comes directly from the doctrines of demons. In 1990, a man named Stephen Hassan published a book combating cult mind control. Hassan who was once a cult member, is now a counselor helping those affected by destructive cults. In this book, Hassan 
exposes the sobering facts about cults recruitment and their use of psychological manipulation and their often subtle influence on government or the legal system and society as a whole. Hassan has 10 main points that are strikingly common between all religious cults and they help you to easily identify if the church you attend has roots of evil. It is good to review these and to make sure that you have not mistakenly joined a religious cult. I've studied several religious cults from Jim Jones, the pastor who Branham started, the one who killed every one of his following through cyanide poisoning, to the Zionists led by John Alexander Dowie, who Branham praised, to the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, false prophets, studied and promoted by William Branham through his teaching. But not having been under those religious cults, I find it much easier personally to compare these ten signs of a religious cult to the one I escaped, the one that's called the message of the hour, or Branhamites, or simply the message, the followers of the false prophet, William Marion Branham. The first point is this. Autonomy and individuality are discouraged. Dependence, conformity, and obedience are encouraged and sometimes required. The cult that I escaped fit this mold. Many extra-biblical laws were added to make this people, especially the women, look the same. The individuality was discouraged, not only with the appearance on the surface, but also from within the heart. There were pictures on the wall of a church, the church that I attended in Jeffersonville, pictures of how not to cut your hair if you were a man. And scissors touching a woman's hair was strictly forbidden, even though women in the Bible, under Jewish custom, shaved their heads during mourning. The next point is this. In the ten points of a cult, the next point is a person must shed his old identity and acquire a new one that is desired by the group. Religious cults call this casting out the old man and putting on the new man. Now to some extent this is scriptural because to follow Jesus Christ is to have a spiritual rebirth. But religious cults, such as the cult of William Branham, require another new birth after accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must also accept the gospel of Branham. You must, you must also accept Branham's opinion of what your new identity looks like, even when most of that viewpoint cannot be found within scriptures. The next point. The information that one is allowed to access and to be exposed to is tightly restricted. Now this one shocked even me. For 37 years I was trapped in the cult of William Branham. I never even knew or considered that there were hidden secrets. I never knew that there were any conflicts with William Branham's teachings. But once I found out, I was shocked that many elders in the cult 
already knew this, and they hid it from the people. My grandfather, pastor of the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana, scolded me. People have known these things for years. What does it hurt you to believe it anyway, John? Information that should be on display is not. Branham's flyleaf of his Bible, supposedly containing the six or the seven visions of 1933, does not exist. So, you are not allowed to ask to see it. How can you? It does not exist. The death certificates of those raised from the dead that Branham brags about does not exist. So if you ask for them, you're in violation of the rules. The next point. The doctrine claims to answer all questions and problems. One need not think for themselves. The doctrine does the thinking for them. Most cult followers admittedly do not know their own Bibles. While Peter tells us that the Bible is of no private interpretation, the cult will teach you that only the prophet is able to read and understand the scriptures. Therefore, the cult leader gives you all the answers that you need to know. The Church of the Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons, as they're referred to, and the Watchtower Society, or the Jehovah's Witnesses, as they're referred to, produce writings with titles like Questions and Answers. If memory serves, another cult leader, William Souders, who has a strikingly similar commission story to William Branham, also had sermons with that title. Those in the cult of William Branham are familiar with these series of sermons, questions and answers, where a follower submits a question and Branham, the cult leader, gives the answer with the ultimate authority. Many times the answers conflicted with themselves, conflicted with the words of the apostles, or even conflicted with Jesus Christ. But to the programmed cult mind and the cult follower like I spoke with and described, the words of the cult leader are more authentic, more value to the cult than the words of Jesus Christ that are written in the Bible. The next point. Members are assigned specific goals and tasks, thus restricting their free time and behavior. In destructive cults, there's always something to do. This one really, really bothers me. Cult headquarters, Voice of God Recordings, holds these camps for the children that is even condemned by the local church. It, it's an oddity. They teach the children to study the recorded sermons of William Branham. While Christian churches teach their children to study the Bibles, free time for these cult members are devoted to studying cult propaganda. It's strange when I consider my free time after escaping the cult versus the time while I was enslaved. I really can't account for all the time, all of my hours while I was trapped. And yet my lifestyle after leaving has increased. My workload and my time spent in apologetics has dramatically increased. 
Yet while now I'm working hours from sunup to sundown after leaving the cult, it seems like I have more free time for church and for friends and family and more. My family time, while it seems lessened by the work that I'm doing in apologetics, is more quality family time. This, the restriction seems not only to be in quantity, but also in quality. The next point. The cult's loaded message keeps members from feeling special, keeps members feeling special, and separate from the world around them. It also confuses newcomers and implies that they must simply study harder in order to understand. Understanding simply means believing. Now, Christian churches teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Christ fulfilled the part of the old covenant that mankind was unable to fulfill, bearing our sins on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice. He died and rose again so that we can rise with him. It's not hard to proclaim, really. It's very easy to explain because this comes directly from the pages of the Bible. But to enslave a new member into the cult of William Branham, you have to ease into it. You can't simply unload on them that they must believe in prophecies of an egg-shaped car, or they have to believe in these black squirrels, or these antlers, or these mystery clouds that look just like a Thor missile detonation. If you did, the people would likely look at you and bust a gut laughing at your nonsense. No, you've got to ease into it. You have to be very careful to give them a little bit at a time before you give them the loaded language. They would be confused by it. You have to understand, and more than that, you have to accept the entire set of prophecies by faith because not a single one of them can be proven to be accurate because they're not. The next point. Members are trained to disbelieve in any criticism. Critical words are explained away in advance as the lies that Satan puts in the people's minds. Cult leaders and the men surrounding them will try to make you prove a negative with your questions and then condemn you for even doing it. It does not matter if William Branham prophesied about the wrong bridge. Falsely claiming that he had a vision in his childhood about 16 men falling off a bridge when he got the wrong bridge and 16 men fell off of another bridge that was built long before William Branham was born. The cult will ask you, try and prove that 16 men didn't fall off that bridge. But then, when a group of people like searchingforvindication.com does prove that 16 men did not fall from that bridge, the cult will tell you that Satan has tricked them by hiding the information that just simply does not exist. In the Old Testament, the prophets had scribes. These scribes wrote 
the prophecy in multiple scrolls because the words did not come from the prophet. They were words from the mouth of God, came down through their voice. God used them as an instrument. Picture that God playing a trumpet. The prophet is the trumpet. He's nothing more. God spoke directly through them, so they wrote them down multiple places. The people wanted to know what Yahweh said before the event happened. Yahweh wanted the people to see that he was God. So there were the words of God written in the scrolls. There were words of God that they wrote into stone pillars for all to see. And the events, when they happened, were so clear when the prophecy came to pass that it was easily identified in either a scroll or a stone pillar. Yahweh wanted the people to see that he was God, so he did not hide the prophet or the prophecy so that just a little tiny few would see it. God loves the world. He does not want a single person to be lost, though many people deny him. The next point. Members are told to avoid contact with ex-members. Those who could provide the most information are usually the ones that are especially shunned. My poor wife is the worst case scenario of this. I was shunned because I questioned the prophet. Before a single book was published, before a single article was written, before a single video was posted, I was excommunicated for questioning the prophet. None of my past friends or family were allowed to speak. The pastor, referencing Ananias and Sapphira, two men in the Bible, according to the books of Acts, they were stealing money, making a mockery of the early church through serving mammon. Much different than my questioning failed prophecy. But my wife, also excommunicated, had absolutely nothing to do with the situation. The pastor did not care about her soul and did not even ask her if she was still a believer. Though he was a family member, my own grandfather, his only motive was to hide the secrets from the people. At the time, most of the church here locally had never heard of a single apologetic site. I was the one in Jeffersonville that was holding the key that could unlock their chains of bondage. So, not just me, but my wife must also be shunned. That leads us into our next sign of a cult, questioning. People are not allowed to question the leaders or the doctrine. If there's a problem, it is always that of the individuals, and they are at fault. Since the doctrine is the truth, any flaw is viewed as the believer's imperfection. We have proven time and again that William Branham lied about his past. He lied about his commission. He lied about his motives. He lied about his prophecies. He even lied about the Word of God. 
It was not the truth. But his words are held as truth to the cult programmed mind. Because I had a question, not only myself, but also my wife had a spiritual disease. It was my imperfectioning in the first place, not the man who was caught lying on his recorded sermon. The next point. People have the freedom to join, but not the freedom to leave a destructive cult. There's not a legitimate reason for a person to ever leave, and those doing so will have evil befall them. Any person who is born and raised in the cult of William Branham and who has now experienced freedom will tell you that this is the most difficult one. This is the true sign of a destructive cult. There are no physical chains of bondage. There are no locked doors and no guards standing with automatic rifles to shoot you down as you leave. But once you leave, you are cursed. You will be told that, the, that your only reason for leaving the cult was because there's something wrong with you. You will likely die. Worse, there will be a few members that may try to make that happen. One lady who left started a support group and she had her brakes cut. Another had her business shut down by an internet attack, a very focused internet attack, and she lost her entire clientele. You are easily welcomed into the cult of William Branham, but you may never leave. William Branham's cult is Hotel California. To the cult mind who has been brainwashed enough to take William Branham's word over their own Bibles, there is little hope. Sadly, only God can save them. There is no argument once they have denied God by denying their own Bible. The cult mind who has not been programmed that deeply can find escape after seeing documented proof of some of William Branham's many lies, which you can now easily find on several websites, or even searching Branham.org to see Branham's own words condemning himself as a liar. But Peter gives us hope in 2 Peter 2. These cult leaders and the pastors who lift them up will not last forever. New ones may rise, but the old ones will fall. All throughout the New Testament, there is a common theme of warning. Over and over again, false prophets will rise. False teachers will rise. But they will die. BelieveTheSign.com, a Branham apologetic site, produced a video describing another prophet prophesying about William Branham's death before the event. But William Branham's death was already predicted long before that prophet was ever born. The prediction is also in 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2 says this, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive heresy, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift 
destruction. And many will follow after their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Scriptures like this are commonly used to condemn those who point out William Branham's failed prophecies or his doctrines that are contrary to Scripture. But it is a programmed response and not one that matches the Scripture. It is the false prophets who will rise, not those who try to point others back to the Bible. It is false teachers who will rise, not the ones who are teaching the truth. They are the ones like Branham who have proven to have lied. False teachers. Peter says that their condemnation is from long ago and their destruction is not asleep or waiting. They will fall. I pray that every single mind that is programmed by the false teaching in these religious cults may escape and be pointed back to Jesus Christ. It's more than we're able to do. There is only one who can save. The only door to salvation is given to us by grace, and that door is only open through faith in Jesus Christ. Cults will place another door in front of it, and that door can only be opened by faith in their cult leader. But the problem is that with that door is it may never be opened because the leader will be standing in the way with false teaching. Some in the cults will find a way through faith in Jesus Christ. Some will not. Join with me in prayer that those trapped in these religious cults may one day be led back to Jesus Christ. May God, who sent his only Son to die for our sins, grant their deliverance.